Are you thinking of creating an online course and don't know where the heck to start? Well, stay tuned. Our special guest will have all those answers and so much more. Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyford, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. Amer, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but guess what day it is today? It's Friday, the 26th of November, 2021. And that means today, four weeks, it's Christmas Day. Wow. Amazing. Well, you know, that is right. But no, you're going to love this. Today is your day, Amer. It's cake day. I think you would say every day, every Friday is my day. Uh, Cake day. Yes. Uh, There is a God. Yeah, even though you um, can't bake, isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to come up with another one of my baking analogies later. But anyway, <laughs> actually, that ties in nicely to what I have today for Emer's experiences, the good, the bad and the ugly tips, questions and even the odd quiz. Um, so, yes, talking of cakes and Christmas, I found a really handy website. It's called makeuseof.com. Now, I know this is not really social media, but apps can be very helpful, as you know. And on this website, they talk about the six best free Christmas cooking and recipe apps. So I thought you like that because you always do the Christmas cooking, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So one caught my eye and it's called Tasty and it's from BuzzFeed.com, which is quite a well-known site, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Great if you're a novice cook like myself or a no cook like myself. Um, and even if you're experienced like yourself, Mr. T, it's Michelin still, star. yeah, it's, oh, you think? Um, <laughs> I'll be talking to Neve Gordon later. who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we won't go there. No. So I suggest people do go check them out because it actually might save you time. It's on your phone and it's really handy. So are you feeling all Christmassy now? Well, I certainly am. I'm getting in this, the spirit, you know, and I've, you know, obviously mm. as we we're coming to the favorite part of the show, I have a little something in the oven that's been kind of cooking. I thought you were going to give me an early Christmas gift there, but no. Well, this could be your Christmas gift because it is that time. Red alert! Red oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. It's the digital giggle. Ah. <sighs> I wish you would. Do you know what? I, I'm just going to say this. You are still waiting for Christmas and the Christmas crackers and all this, you know, and, and I keep thinking I'm going to ask the producer and the station guys, can we just like call it a day in this section? You know, what do you think? No. We're, we're Save you a lot of hassle. We're not going to, we're not going to terminate this section of the show, Emer. you know. Uh, not going to, oh, no, my Christmas wishes are no, gone. No, no. And, you know, speaking of, of termination. Okay. Did, did you hear that the the Terminator himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is going to be doing a movie about classical music? No, really? Yes. He'll be Bach. Uh, <laughs> Just... uh, 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 Go on. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I'm lost. Ah, what do I say to that? What do we all say to that? Um, I, I, oh my God, I think you should be facing the music uh, with the listeners on that one after yeah. that attempt. Uh, honestly, put you up against the wall and uh, let them at you. But anyway, as ever, if you find today's joke anyway engaging, they were supposed to be social media, but anyway, we'd love more of them. You are so in luck. You can catch Philip's previous jokes and indeed our other shows by hopping onto the Let's Get Social podcast on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and the Dublin South FM website. And as I always say, speed through the first three minutes and you'll be grand. These are content gold, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, real content- crack. Yeah. Real crackers, yeah. Absolutely. Well, listen, down to the serious business of the show, we are delighted today to be joined by Ian Brody, host of Course Builders TV, still king of lockdown hair, author of Email Persuasion, grower of exotic chilies, and Ian works with consultants, coaches, and other professionals to help them win more high-paying clients and make a real impact in the world. He shows them how to implement simple but effective marketing systems that bring them a steady flow of leads and clients without needing to become super slick salespeople or spend all their time on marketing. I was going to say you have a lot in common with him there, haven't oh, you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially on the hair and the chilies. Anyway, um, yeah. before all that, Ian said he had a proper job doing some real techie R&D type stuff. But pretty much from the moment he changed from that, he started consulting and working with clients to help them improve their business. So I, I think it's great he's here. So without further ado, welcome to Let's Get Social, Mr. Ian Brody. Hey, fantastic to be here. I'm still recovering from that joke. How do you think I feel? I get this every week. <laughs> oh, yeah. my word. I do not envy you. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. I thought we were friends, you know. I thought we were friends. But hey, you're dead. Dead to me. Hey, don't I worry. Was... My bark is worse than my bite. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, so as I say, before we begin, we always ask our lovely brave guests what their thoughts on the digital giggle. Did it work for you? Or do you think he was online for to change direction and go downhill and keep moving. And I had a bum nose. Know. Did I? Yeah. A bum nose. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know what? It was, it was a terrible joke, but I have to say I did giggle. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, really yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So oh. I sort of, so I gave you return on investment on the joke. You did. There you you did. Okay. You, you live another day. Thank you. Thanks, Eva. <laughs> Until next week when I'll strike. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, Ian, it is great to uh, it's great to have you. Um, I, I know you got uh, you got hijacked by my my ninja partner, Emer, at uh, the recent Atomic Con. Um, but would you give our listeners a little insight into, you know, how you got started, you know, and what you're doing now and uh, all a bit about yourself? Yeah, well, um I guess, uh, as Ema said at the start, I had a real job um, doing kind of R&D and very technical stuff until about, uh, about, about 94. Then I went into the world of consulting, um, ended up doing a lot of marketing consultings um, and strategy work for really big clients. And then I set up my own business in 2007. And it was shortly after that that I actually got into online courses. Um mm. had a necessity, really. Um, I did really well when I started up my own business. Um, but but more out of luck than anything else, I think I got past a lot of work um, from previous clients and contacts who knew me, and I got really lazy. I kind of thought, oh, this is really easy, this, this <laughs> doing your own thing kind of thing. All yeah. I have to do is sit around and the clients come in, and then surprise, surprise, 
about 18 months later, I had a completely empty pipeline, no new, no new clients coming in. I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? Now, it wasn't like, you know, the world was going to end. We'd been sensible. We'd saved up some money to, to kind of fund all that, et cetera. So we had a, you know, a run where we could have survived, but it was making me question, oh, can I actually make this work? You know, is this, mm. I'm supposed to be a marketing expert. Well, how come I haven't done any marketing? Um, and that was the time at which I kind of turned to online courses because the thing I had done reasonably well, um, even though I hadn't built up a proper marketing pipeline for clients, is I had begun to build up a little bit of, of an email list and done some blogging, et cetera. And I kind of realized, well, okay, these guys who don't really know me all that well, whether well, they're on my email list, they might not hire me for tens of thousands of consulting, but they might buy a little online course from me. And if mm. I get enough of them, it might be a decent little bit of money and that might at least make me think, yeah, I, I can do this. So, mm. um, you know, I really quickly just rattled together some ideas as to what people might want from me in terms of an online course. Um, I, I put it out there. I said, look, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Um, it's not going to be very expensive. I think it was $97 or something at the time, because, yeah. of course, you have to price in, in dollars if you have a global market, because people over in the US often don't don't like pounds or euros. Yeah. Um, and then uh, put it out there and a bunch of people signed up. And then I kind of delivered the course via some live webinars and, you know, it, it wasn't one of those rags to riches. I made a million dollars. I made a few thousand pounds, um, mm-hmm. but it was enough for me to think, oh, actually, this might work. And so, you know, it was still a number of years after that when my business moved to completely being based on memberships and online courses. And mm-hmm. I still did client work for a long while, but it was kind of the, the early days and, and how the, the online course thing kicked off for me. Brilliant. And uh, I suppose it's sort of it's, it's laid the platform now for you know, that whole kind of focus on online courses and exactly which, which we're looking forward to chat with you today. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's, it, as I say, I, I think that is maybe a, an inspirational story for somebody sitting, listening in, not knowing, you know, can I do it? You know, I'm sitting here and I'm, and things have gone quiet mm-hmm. and maybe do I venture online and do some sort of a course that will appeal? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's actually maybe a, a good lead into what I was going to ask you was what's the best way to get started? Uh, you know, especially for anybody out there who is sitting at home, as I said, and hasn't a clue what to do next. Um, you know, when it comes to creating and designing their very first online course, as I say. Well, I think I think the thing to do still today is to do what I did back then, which is to really keep it simple. Now, I did that out of kind of desperation because I didn't have the mm. time to mm. do anything fancy. But I think there is a temptation to jump in and buy an expensive course platform and make fancy videos. And kind of months and months later, you finally you know hit the marker and then it turns out no one wants to buy it. So I think right. the thing to do in the early days is to keep it really simple, mm-hmm. focus it on a very small course. So don't try and do your magnum opus where you teach everything you ever knew, but focus particularly on an outcome, a result, a problem that your clients have that you know a lot about, where you can focus the course very clearly on that specific problem or or that specific result they want and keep it quite narrow, so quite quick to produce. And then do what the the product development course, uh, product development people call a minimum viable product. So instead of, you know, bells and whistles and beautiful and pretty, which we're all tempted to want to do, um, just (laughs) do the bare bones that gets them the result they're looking for and get it out quickly. And I would typically advise to offer it for sale before you build it. 
Um, so as long as you're confident you can build it, so don't offer something for sale that you can't build. Yeah. Be con- you know, kind of write the outline, figure out what you can build. So do a little bit of market research, mm-hmm. talk to people about what their biggest problems are in this area. So get get to this problem, create an outline for what the course would be, um, and then say to people, look, I'm, I'm thinking of running a course on this particular topic, going to do a quick pilot, going to build it as we go along. So, so do it kind of just in time for everyone. Mm-hmm. I would personally do it via live workshops on Zoom or something like that. Um, or just one, you know, couple of hours of workshop live on Zoom for the very first iteration, and then just say, do you want to buy it? Um, Are you interested? If they say yes, send them to a PayPal button or whatever shopping cart you've got. If you haven't got a shopping cart at all, get them to, you know, send your cash in an envelope, anything, as long as you (laughs) keep it really simple and you don't delay it by trying to build all this fancy technology around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like, oh, I have to go out and have all the latest tech and I have to have this, that and the other, and then you're still sitting there. Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes yeah, you're right. it's so easy to do that. Yeah, yeah I think I think you're right, and I think it's, and that sort of logic can be applied to lots of different things. Whether it's just, you know, you're you're on the fence. Will I get onto social or will I do video? Um, oh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> you know, or whatever it might be. You know, yeah. that kind of you know. Sometimes it is just to to start. You know, and um, I think the biggest challenge is getting in front of the camera. Yeah, like I mm. I, I, I suppose. Um, like based on your experience, Ian, um, I would imagine obviously one of the mistakes that you see that people make is they sort of invest in all the bells and whistles and etc. Mm. as opposed to starting off maybe small. Is there other kind of things that you see that people do that can sort of can maybe derail their 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 course, I suppose, uh, mm. beginnings, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've we've hinted them already. I think the first one is to produce the wrong type of course. Mm. And what I mean by that is very easy. We've almost been lulled by by our whole education as we've grown up through school and maybe college and then going into the workplace to have this idea of what a, what a course is. Um, and typically most of the education we've got has been about learning skills or getting information that we're going to use later in life. So that happened at school. It happens at college. If you go, it happens in the workplace where you get an induction course and you learn the skills you might need later on. Or you go on a, a management training course where you learn all these skills that you you might well hopefully apply as a manager. Um, so we tend to think of courses about as a, being about giving people skills or giving people information. But the problem with that view is if someone is buying a course because they want skills, they want as much as possible. I want most, more and more of these skills because they're all mm-hmm. about the acquisition of the skills. And that yeah. makes means you've got to produce tons of content for them on your course, and they're always going to want more. Mm-hmm. And it also means if they're, if they're skills and information they're going to use in the future in their career, it's really difficult to measure the return on investment because they haven't done anything with it yet. Um, So those courses are viable. You know, if you think like you can get a a little online mini MBA or a professional skills certification stuff, but typically people buy those from larger organizations and institutions who are capable of producing a ton of content. And there's the prestige of, oh, I got an MBA from Harvard or or whatever Mm. and that goes with it. For most of us as a small business, we don't have that prestige and we don't have the time to produce those really big courses. So what I suggest instead is you do this, what we mentioned earlier, like an outcome-based course based on, you know, a, a single outcome or result or problem you're solving. And the advantage of that is firstly, there's less to produce because if someone is buying a course because they want a result, and I guess the example I would give is if you have a a course that teaches someone how how to sell, 
If you're a salesperson and you, you're basing your career on being good at sales, that's a skill thing you're acquiring. You want to acquire as many sales skills as you can. Mm. That's hard for you know, a small business to produce that kind of course. On the other hand, if I'm a business owner and I want to get some corporate clients for my consulting business, as I've yeah. wanted to in the past, mm. I don't want to become a great salesperson. I don't want to get every single skill that a salesperson might have. I just want to know enough that's going to get me a corporate client. Mm. So I actually want less. I want the bare minimum skills that get me yeah. the result I'm looking for. So basing your course around, you know, how to land your first corporate client, for example, all you have to do is teach the skills that get them that that outcome. Mm. And in addition, the return on investment is easier to measure because mm. if they land a corporate client, they know how much that was worth. So the, the you know, the return on investment from, hey, become really great at sales versus land a corporate client it's easier to see the, the tangible bits of that. So it's easier for people to buy from you. So that's the first mistake is, is you know, basing the course around skills rather than outcomes. Now, of course, you need skills to get an outcome, but be really focused on the outcome. Second thing is building the course before you've sold it. And again, we mentioned that earlier, but a lot of people will buy the technology and then they'll spend ages making the content and fans. So the second problem is people um, creating a course before they've sold it. So we, we mm. mentioned that earlier, but what you get is people deciding they want to do a course and then they spend a ton of time creating the content. They buy all these tools and technology. They worry about making videos and what type, and it takes months and months and months. And then they finally try and sell it. And it turns out no one wants it. Mm. Um, now that you can mitigate that to some degree through market research, you know, speaking to current clients, ex-clients, contacts, that kind of stuff, and asking them about their problems and what will be valuable to them. But really, you never know whether someone is going to buy something until you offer it for sale. So yeah. the thing I suggest is, as we said earlier, make get your ideas, do your research, get an outline for the course you're going to produce, and then just say to people, you know, I'm thinking of producing a course on this. Would you, you know, would you like to join me in a pilot? And if you position it as a pilot and you say, you know, for the pilot, I'm going to do a, a couple of live workshops or, or however you want to handle it. Um, and the uh, it, when I do those workshops, you know, we'll create the content as we go along. You'll get to input into it and shape what the course looks like. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, and because I'm getting great feedback from you and because of your contribution, I'm going to offer it, you know, the pilot's going to be about half the price it, it's normally going to, it, it would normally yeah. be. So, you know, if you were going to sell it for 300, offer it for 150 or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so the point there being, you don't, in theory, what you're aiming for there is your very, your very best, your most excited potential customers. Mm. Um, you don't want, you don't need tons of them, you know, a, a dozen or even half a dozen is plenty. But if you can't get, people to come on board to a pilot by offering the thing at half price and giving them the opportunity to shape what's in it about yeah. that particular topic, then mm. it's unlikely that you'll sell, you'll be able to sell a lot of the final course when you yeah. produce it. You're yeah. kind of harvesting a horrible word, but harvesting your most enthusiastic prospects and giving mm. them a fantastic deal. So you don't have to produce fancy sales pages and all that kind of stuff. You just have to send out a few emails or do a couple of posts on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever to your community and just rustle up a little bit of interest and then send them to a PayPal page or, or whatever it is, however you want to take payment. You might already have a shopping cart, but if you don't, just use a simple method um, and kind of pre-sell it like that. Mm -hmm. And then I think, I think the final problem I see a lot is people getting tied up into this hype about the big product launch. 
And you mm. see it a lot in the marketing world where, you know, the big name gurus do these million dollar launches, a little less prevalent than they used to be. Yeah. And you think, all right, the way I'm going to make money from this is I'm going to launch it and everyone's going to see it and everyone's going to buy it. And then you do and it, it just doesn't happen. Mm. And the problem with the big launch mentality is firstly, the very first time you launch your course, there's still loads of work to do to convert your pilot into the into the actual course to get it on the technology platform, all that kind of stuff. So by adding the pressure of a launch, Mm. that's making it even more complicated. And the second reason is, you know, to get a a launch to be really successful, you know, you need to be good at maybe Facebook ads. You need to have a big email list, maybe, Mm. you know, a whole bunch of affiliates um, promoting for you. Very few of us have that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I I, I used to be good at Facebook ads, but it's got so complicated now, I, I wouldn't trust myself. Yeah. I have a reasonable email list. Mm-hmm. but many people don't. And I don't have an army of affiliates all wanting to promote for me. So I would get more of a splutter than a big than a big splash on launch. So mm. for me, the best thing to do is to just launch sensibly using the, the platforms you already know. If, you know. if you've got an email list, promote it to that. If you've got lots of personal contacts, promote to them. If you know a few corporates who might buy it, promote it to them. If you've got a good Facebook group, promote it in the Facebook group, but yeah. try and add on all sorts of new stuff at the launch. And then once you've got it on the market and launched and, the, and it's stable, then think about, okay, how am I going to grow this? Maybe now I need to either learn Facebook ads or more likely pay someone to do them for me. Maybe I ought to be doing some content marketing on LinkedIn or whatever. So do it mm. step by step. So rather than thinking everything's going to happen at the launch, just do a decent launch, but then kind of ratchet things up and do it step by step in a, in a manageable way that's yeah. not going to kill you um, when you try and do it. Yeah, no, I think there's there's very good advice there. Like, I think one of the critical ones, and I think, you, and you mentioned this, was, and I suppose it's a bit like content marketing or social media in general, even say blogs or content yeah. that you're creating is, is don't create a course that you think everyone wants or that appeals to you created mm-hmm. for your audience. So doing that research piece and, you know, you yeah. may find a nugget that you never thought of that. That's um, what I was going to say. Um, Ian research using social media can be very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And I think depending on your, is it a B2B market or B2C? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you kind of just say, right, I'm going to stick with, say, LinkedIn for the B2B market and Facebook for the B2C market, you know, or do you just go right across the board? I I would test a few things because you could be wrong. You could be, it depends on your, it depends on how well developed your business is and how much you know where your clients hang out. So for example, when my wife first launched, she did a series of virtual summits, been doing them since 2016, All and right. that's turned into courses and whatever. Um, we've mm. done a ton of them now. Um, we, her audience, we thought, was on Twitter. Um, to, but but we tried Twitter. We did a bit on LinkedIn. We did a bit on Facebook, and Facebook just took off. Mm. It oh. just completely unexpected. It just went mad, and everyone was sharing on Facebook, and that's been the main channel we've used since for mm. her business. So I think if you if you're in the early stages – test a few things out and then double down on the one that works. I mean, obviously, theoretically, LinkedIn is probably the place to go for business to business, Facebook mm-hmm. for more consumer or small business, you know, coaches and, and people like that hang out on, on Facebook all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I happen to know, I have a good friend who does a lot of stuff in the education market, further education, higher education, mm-hmm. and there's very active communities on Twitter there. So if you know your, if you know your market, 
you'll probably yeah. know where they hang out. There's other places, you know, if, if sometimes uh, if it's a really technical community, it might be Reddit. Or yeah. if it's, you know, mm. if people asking mm. questions and maybe, maybe look on Quora yeah. or, uh, mm. or, or, you know, corporate, corporate stuff, it's often um, personal connections and just reaching out to people. A lot of the people I've been interviewing recently for the Course Builders Hub, the way they did their market research was just through existing contacts and mm-hmm. getting introductions and just speaking to people on the phone and getting feedback from them wow. and getting rich going on feedback. The f- going on I know. Phone. I know. <laughs> What's that? Scary stuff. <laughs> I've been there. I did, speaking, the, did, did the cold calling? Yeah, I did the cold calling years ago, Ian. Yeah, that that. Top yeah, thankfully, in this case, it's all through introductions and stuff. Yeah. You, you don't need to go cold. I'm, I'm awful yeah. at that. But, I was yeah. going to say something like with the idea, but like you see a lot of people doing polls, and then you see, um, oh, I have a quick survey. Click the link and let me know. You know, and it's one yeah. maybe on Google Forms. You know, an enormous anonymous, um, yes. something like that. You know, if you're trying to sort of test the water, you know, mm. try it first. Yes. And then, as you say, Ian, then start to reach out to people. Um, and that can maybe be your way of starting to say, actually, this is actually going to work or this actually will not work. So you're back to the drawing board before you decide, oh, I'll go create the course and then nothing happens. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I've seen people do it both ways. So I've seen some people and um, what they do is they start off with a bit of kind of face-to-face coffee mm. meetings or well, not for the last couple of years, but, uh, but phone okay. calls, Zoom calls and stuff yeah. um, because they've had uh, connections. They've known people. So they've just messaged people on LinkedIn or Facebook or they've sent them an email and say, hey, I'm just thinking of, you know, making a course. Do you mind if I bounce some ideas off you? Um, mm-hmm. And what they've then done is they've done half a dozen of those. And then they've looked through those and they said, you know what? The big topics that are coming out are A, B, and C. Let's do a mm. poll to back that up. So then they run the poll on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever the community is based on the on the answers that came out of the initial interviews. On the other hand, I've seen some people who are more haven't got those personal connections yet, but are more connected on social. They've done the poll on social first. Um, or if they, they, as you said, they linked them to a Google form. I mean, keep it simple, only do a few questions. Yeah. So, you know, what's your number one problem? Um, how big of an issue is this for you? You know, what, what would make a brilliant course if I covered this? Um, but then have a question on this is, hey, would, would you mind me? Um, would you be interested in me giving you a call um, and asking a few more a few more in-depth questions? Just put your email address here. And getting people to volunteer to have a more in-depth conversation with you. So you can do it the other way around. But either way, I like the mix of, the in-depth stuff you get by speaking to someone on the phone for, for you know ten minutes, yeah. Plus the the more statistically valid stuff of you do a survey and fifty people have come back and twenty of them have said this topic and only three mm. of them have said this topic. So I like a nice mix. Yeah. No. There you go, mix. Philip. Yeah, you like a good mix too, don't you? I do like a good mix. Yeah, <laughs> nice cake mix, Emer. Of course, I won't be going to your house though for bacon. It's cake day. Bake. It's cake day. You know. Um, like Ian, this is a this is brilliant. Like uh, like it's great to get the insights because I think um, providing courses, online education, whether big, small, or or worldwide, or just a local audience, I think there's so many untapped opportunities. Mm. Um, when it comes to, I suppose, um, tools and equipment for say course creation, delivery, etc. Um, would you be able to share kind of for someone who wants to get started to maybe who someone who has maybe started with a basic course and then wants to maybe upgrade where they have fancy video and stuff, would you be able to kind of maybe give a run through on some of the things that would someone might progress from and to as they get better? Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's worth doing it in the, 
just as you've suggested, so do it in stages. So for your first course, firstly, remember, it doesn't have to be always video. Mm. Um, I bought a course maybe five or six years ago, just recorded audio, but the, the content was so good. Yeah, it, it was a recording of a call the guy had done even a few years earlier than that. So the first thing is, if if you're a small business making a course, you really want to focus on a niche where you can have exceptional content and there probably ideally aren't many other people in that market. Mm. So the, the quality of the delivery in terms of the technology isn't as important as the fact that this is great content and they can't get it anywhere else. So mm. it becomes secondary. If you're in a really competitive market, where you know the content is a commodity, then you almost have to differentiate on the quality of your delivery. But I, I would try and avoid those markets. Yeah. Um, that said, so so when you're when you're thinking about it, firstly start off simple. So the simple stuff to do is just record slides with a voiceover. So make some nice slides. Don't just make them bullet points. Try and have some images on there, etc. Um, I tend to have a, a fixed cartoon set. That, that happens to be men with beards because I've got a beard and uh, <laughs> I managed to find a whole set of these ones with the people doing you know different things that I, that I can use. It just brightens it up a little bit. Mm. But you can start off just using voice over slides because that gets you going quick. And what you don't want to do is worry so much. Ema, you were saying earlier about you know worrying about getting on video. Yes. That's going to be a barrier to you for your first one. Just don't do it. Mm. Just, you know, it will be fine doing a... Um, a, a voice over slides, as long as the content's good and um, people get results from it. Because early on, you're selling to the people who really want the results. You're not mm-hmm. reaching out to the broader to the yes. broader market. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you want to upgrade it, then um, yes, uh, the, the first upgrade is just to do one small video per module. So rather than trying to turn it all into video, the problem with live video of you on camera is it's much, much more difficult to edit. Mm-hmm. So if you've if you've made a mistake in the video, you realise later, and it's the next day, you can't just go back and re-record. So you're wearing different clothes, your hair's different, the lighting's different. Yeah. But if 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 you've recorded slides, you come back to it the next day, no one can tell. You just change a slide, edit it, you yeah. re- redo the voiceover, whatever. No one can tell there's been any editing. But with live stuff, you kind of get to get it on the day. Um, but what you can do as your first upgrade is just record a personal introduction to each module. So just do a really short two-minute video saying, hey, um, in here, in this module, you're going to learn A, B, and C, and that's really important because of X, Y, and Z. So let's get going. Download the workbook. You know, Press play on the first video. And then there's a nice little personal thing. They get to see you. You begin to make a connection and stuff. But... It's, you know, it's not so difficult to record a two-minute intro video rather than recording all the detailed bits mm. of content. Um, so start by upgrading just doing video intros, and then you can move on to doing your content on video. And you can either do that um, by, you know, the little videos where there's a little circle with your picture in there as you're presenting the slides. Yeah. Well, that's um, Loom. Or, Loom. Or I think that's Loom will Loom. do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah Loom does that by default. You can do that on a d- different platforms. Um, if you're recording with something like ScreenFlow, it will record from your camera uh, and the slides at the same time. And then you can play around with the format. So I've done stuff from having me just over on the left, quite big presenting, you know, the full left-hand side of the screen. Mm. I've done a full green screen thing where the slides have been behind me. Prezi, you've got an option nowadays that kind of works like that, where you're Mm. on camera, but your slides are kind of appearing over. And they're not really slides, they're just images and, and, and a bit of text and stuff like that. And so there's lots of ways of making it a little bit better. But you know what? 
for the first time you you pilot your course and I would say the first iteration post launch, I would just go with the with the slides and uh, and the mm-hmm. voiceover. And is that and PowerPoint? Sorry, sorry yeah, for PowerPoint or Keynote? Yeah. yeah. Also, no. ScreenFlow is from Mac, and it's screen yeah. recording software. Camtasia is the is the one PC. I would use yeah. on the PC. Um, there's lots of free software, mm. but Camtasia and ScreenFlow, I like got a hundred and something dollars. You know, Black Friday sale, get twenty percent off or whatever. Um, oh yeah. But they they have the the advantage. They'll record your screen. They'll record from video, um, and they let you. It's got they've got nice editors that let you you know move the bits of it. You know, cut and move bits of it about. Add transitions between overlay some text, you know, with your name on, or uh, you know, as you're speaking on video, you could overlay the text, you know, summarizing the points and stuff like that. So I think the ScreenFlow Camtasia, one of those little editors, it's worth investing in. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go up to the full Sony Vegas or Final Cut and all that kind of stuff, but ScreenFlow Camtasia is something I'd recommend yeah. as one of your best investments because it will speed things up. You know, you'll just do it much quicker and easier. Um, and you'll get a reasonably good output, um, uh, and that, that that's 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 an, I'd say enough for your first iteration. And is then there, once it's there, really I, I successful, was gonna, I was sorry, I was going to say to you, is there a dummy's guide for <laughs> some of these um, platforms? You know, um, equipment, as I say, because sometimes people will go, "Oh, I'll rush out there and get it," and then they look at it and they go, "That's scary. Where do you begin?" That's <laughs> Usually what I'm with wondering. Both, yeah, um, both ScreenFlow and Camtasia are really popular. So if you yeah. just Google them, like um, Camtasia Guide, ScreenFlow Guide, there's plenty of people who have written kind of little dummies guides mm. to using it quite simply. You're right. YouTube as well, the, probably. You know, yeah, you, YouTube, yeah. watch it on YouTube. I've, I've learned lots from about using them for YouTube. My yeah. wife's a bit of a whiz on ScreenFlow, so she teaches me. But she's, you know, she's not technical by background. She learned it fairly quick. In fact, just thinking about it, um, my son, our youngest son, has just asked to do um, some videos mm-hmm. about a week ago. He recorded a Zoom call yesterday and then said, Dad, how do I edit this? I said, well, get yourself a copy of ScreenFlow. And kind of late at night, he just messaged me. Said, yeah, that was okay. Um, wow. I've edited it. It's quite easy to use. Um, so he'd never used it before. And by the end of the day, he'd exported a video with lots of cuts and transitions and stuff like that. Oh, it's kind of good. intuitive enough. Camtasia is the same for, for yeah. PC screen. So there's hope, hope for me yet then. There is hope, <laughs> yes. Quick question for you, Ian. Just if someone is listening and they say, we'd love to create a course, would you, and they want to start up, would you recommend that, would they, first of all, create their course in PowerPoint and then whether it's Camtasia or ScreenFlow, then essentially screen records that PowerPoint presentation yeah. as they, and and have a microphone plugged in maybe to the laptop and be talking through the slides as Camtasia is, is capturing that with that in a, in a yes that, that's what I would yeah. do I mean you can yeah. actually just export you can do the same thing in PowerPoint or Keynote themselves they will capture the mm. audio as you present yeah. but you, you you don't have the editing capabilities yeah. so you might as well do it in ScreenFlow or Camtasia to yeah. start off with Very capture it like that and then you can edit it straight away perfect. um and that just gets you going yeah perfect um yeah like I think I think that that's perfect even just to get people started you know as, mm. uh, even if just someone wanted something like to start off with as almost like um a lead magnet piece that they could have on their mm. website. You See, know, that's kinda, a good idea. You know, here's a couple of, here's a, a simple course on how to do X, Y, Z. Um, uh, 
uh, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, a good, uh, you know, if you're doing courses, a little mini course is often a good lead magnet because it's a mm. it's a small sample of what they're going to get. Yeah. So, you know, if it, 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 it's nice if the lead magnet leads on to the the actual product in a in a fairly seamless way. Mm. Um, and they, they are fairly easy to do. You can get in, into the hang of it. And I think, you know, you might look at it and some people might say, oh, yeah, but the live video looks so much better. And that's all true. But there's a big barrier to doing it for many people. And, you know, yes. if you can do, if, you, if you're fine at just switching on the camera and recording stuff on your iPhone or your webcam or whatever, great, do it. But for many people, that's an issue. Don't let yourself be held back. Just, mm. you know, get on and do something a little bit simpler. So that means you don't have to go and sort of say to yourself, oh, I have to go and get myself all this, these, you know, extra bells and whistles. You say start simple work from there, build up, and then you would maybe think of, oh, where am I going to promote my course? A lot of people then start to think, is there a pressure that you should use something like Udemy or Kajabi? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think you recognize your own kind of technology competency. Um, so first of all, you can start by just having you know, putting the videos on your website on secret pages that you don't publicize to the world. And that's what I did initially. Okay. Um, and that's really quick. And then just to the people who bought, you just send them the links. Yeah. Um, or you could, you know, if you're doing it as a live workshop on Zoom, send them to the Zoom replay link initially. Mm. Um, so you can do something really simple. Or if you've got a Facebook group, you can put the videos up in, in the Facebook group and, and have it, have the Facebook group private for course members yes. um, and, and put it up on there. So anything that makes it quick. Next step up is then to do something like, as you say, Udemy or Kajabi or Teachable or Thinkific. Um, personally, I'm not so keen on Udemy or Skillshare because you have less control over pricing. The price point is generally pretty low. Hmm. It's like trying to sell a, an ebook on Kindle. You can't price your Kindle ebook at $100, £100, because every other book is $7.99. And it's yeah. similar with, there are some more expensive courses on Udemy, but mainly the price is quite low. So, you know, it can be good, and one of the people I interviewed um, recently for my Course Builders Hub, um, they did a course on Udemy as their very first course. And I can't remember the exact details, but they got thousands upon thousands of people. Um, it was a free course, but they got thousands upon thousands of people running through it. So it was really good to raise their visibility. But for a paid course, I'd probably put it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Teachable, Think, Thinkific, Kajabi, all good platforms. I would tend to stick with one of the bigger, more well-known ones, um, even if they only do 80% of what you really want, mm -hmm. and there might be some little obscure platform that does 99%, the problem is that obscure little platform might be out of business in a year's time and you'd have to start right. again. Start so, again. Yeah. Uh, and so I would try and stick with a more mainstream platform. And or the other option, you know, is to have it on your, your own website with, you know, membership software and learning mm. management, all that kind of stuff. Mm. If you want to do that yourself, you do have to recognize you're going to spend a lot of time on it you have to be quite good technically. It's more complex than building a normal website because mm. of, you know, the membership side of it and stuff. And mm. it just is more complicated. Either that or get someone else to build one of those for you. If you if you do want it completely tailored to exactly what you want, I would probably get someone to build that website for me. And obviously it's going to cost you a bit more to do that. Yeah. But then, you know, you will get what you need and what you want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you the, the two cases I typically would look at these days are if you want to have your own little community 
mm-hmm. like little social groups and uh, or, or a forum and stuff like that, tends to be better to run that on your own site. If you don't want that in Facebook, if you have people who don't use Facebook or you want to get people off there so they don't get distracted, mm-hmm. you can kind of run that on your own site. If it's on your own site, it's kind of easier to turn into your own app if you do want to go down the app route eventually. Yeah. Um, so, or if you do want like complete customization of the look and feel to exactly what you want rather than more templated. But it is much easier to use a platform like Kajabi or, or Teachable than it is yeah. to, to run it on your own site. I run I run mine on my own site because I'm mm-hmm. kind of a bit masochistic like that. But it, <laughs> You're I, just a I, legend, you know, Ian, you know, a legend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Actually, I do, I do it like that because I started doing online courses before those platforms existed. And yeah, so yeah, you're the I'm original kind of stuff with it. Yeah. Um, like, I suppose just thinking, because I'm just conscious, obviously, as well, of our listeners and audience, like, I think, for the for the many people listening, I think taking that very simple approach that you so eloquently described of just creating a simple PowerPoint and maybe using a Camtasia to do a record because, you know, you could set up, as you mentioned, hidden pages where maybe particular course videos are housed um, and then just have an automated kind of email flow that, you exactly. know, in over five days, the next video goes out with a link to that hidden page. Absolutely. So um, Absolutely. Um, like as mentioned, social um, media, as well as obviously interactions with your community are great for research. In your experience, using social and maybe other other tips, um, promoting your course, because if no one knows about your course, it's not going to go anywhere. Like, no. uh, well, 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 how do you kind of approach promoting your courses as such? I think in... It's one of the things that's quite dependent on you and your your kind of assets, what you've what you've got already, and what you're good at. Um, mm. The ideal situation, I think, is firstly start building your audience as you create the course. Mm. So if you're doing it through a pilot uh, and you're sharing all that about the pilot on social media or your email list and stuff, then you're beginning to build a little buzz around the course. The other thing to do is to kind of you know to build it in public, mm. um, which means you know if you if you're you know, making a video, like you're doing your little Camtasia stuff, take a screenshot. And um, one of the guys I interviewed said he just, he, he simultaneously had, had the course on his, on his screen, but he had his little iPhone and he just took snapshots, a little video handheld mm. of what he was doing. It was a bit shaky and stuff, but he shared that and people are, Oh, that looks really interesting. That looks exciting, etc. So if you share what you're doing as you go along, you build, you begin to build an audience for it before you've released it. Yeah. yeah. Then, then when you do the, when you're doing a pilot, um, you know, you're going out to your close contacts there. So, you know, the people already know you on social, a little fledgling email list if you've got one personal contact because you only want a small number of people. And then when you launch, as, you, as we said, you're going out a bit wider, but it's still the channels you're already used to. An email list if you've got one, corporates if you know them, your Facebook group if you have one of those. And then you get into this phase and you're talking about where you want to grow a bit more. And you can do it in a lot of different ways. So a lot of people say, oh, you've got to go down the Facebook ads route because it's more scalable, et cetera. And that is nothing wrong. I mean, Facebook ads are great. They can get that scalable sale or or LinkedIn in B2B, but they are complex. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, you can waste a lot of money on them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would first try and do your first phase of growth with a more kind of manual method. Now, from, you know, my experience and from the people I've interviewed recently, about their courses, a lot of different methods. So I have one guy who does it all through content marketing on LinkedIn. 
Now, he's hmm. very, very prolific content marketing. So in the interview, he shares how he manages to be pro- so prolific. He does four posts a day on LinkedIn wow. and of really high quality content. I was like, my jaw dropped when he said that. Wow. Um, yeah. But then he, I got, thankfully, I had the time to ask him, well, how do you do that? So he explained <laughs> how he had the, like a content calendar, recycled it every nine months, you know, um, does it over a week, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's doable. Um, I have another lady I interviewed who had set up a Facebook group. Um, for her community. And most of her course members in the first wave came from that Facebook community. Um, someone else was a podcast. And again, the ongoing course members are coming from that podcast. So there's lots of different ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think eventually, if you want to get big scale, you probably might need to move into paid ads. But most of us don't, I think, need to get that massive scale most of us were, you know, are are not looking to be, to build a million pound business on online courses. We're looking to kind of supplement our income, stabilize it, so it's not dependent on the use of our time, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you did want to go go big style, and there's a guy I interviewed recently, Michael Heppel, who's quite well known in the personal development world, and that was kind of his strategy. He started off just with his own email list, and he did two rounds of sales to those with his first two waves of opening up the course. But by then he'd kind of exhausted the, that list and he hired someone to run Facebook ads for him. And he's done a couple of rounds of that since bringing on new people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way to go. Do it yourself with kind of more manual methods first to firstly prove to yourself that the course will sell, to kind of get a vague idea of what your conversion rates are um, and to get feedback and improve the course. Um, and also build up a little war chest of money you can then use to pay someone to run your Facebook ads for you. Or, of course, if you are brilliant at Facebook ads, if that's your thing, then, of course, you know, have at it. But I think most of us aren't. So, mm. you know, you'd want to build up a bit first and then get someone who knows what they're doing to do it. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. I second <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, good. You know, no, it's just like there is like so many facets. And then, you know, people can start to think, oh, my God, you know, and they write them all out and they just go, oh, my God, I can't do this all. I do need somebody yeah. who can do the ads for me. And mm. and because you could end up spending a lot more money promoting it mm. when you don't need to. Absolutely. I mean, I have to say, I actually created a course on Facebook ads for my um, community six, seven years ago. I was really good at Facebook ads. I got into them very early, mm-hmm. but I would not want to do them for, I would do them in a couple of cases, but we only do them. I would only run Facebook ads now where I know that it's kind of like an easy market in the yes. sense of it's not super competitive. I don't yeah. have to have a perfect ad and perfect targeting to make it work. I still make a really good return on investment, mm. but, uh, but in a more competitive market, I would hire someone to, to run them. Because it's just way more complicated than it ever used to be. Mm. Yeah. And like, Philip, you know more, you you delve more into Facebook ads than I would. And you'd probably yeah. agree. Yeah. Like, it's like Facebook's constantly changing everything, mm. you know, and there's no, there's no guarantee, you know, like Facebook ads used to be, you kind of pretty much guaranteed, but even that you're not guaranteed anymore. You know, yeah. it is very yeah. much about the target and the audience and their demographics and interests. But even then, I think to a certain extent, and I'm sure you probably found this, Ian, that social has become probably there is a a touch of that content overload, content shock. So even if your Mm. ad is targeted, unless people are actually in the headspace, you know, having come through COVID and are now trying to get back to a bit of more normal living, that your ad could be the best creative, the best compelling message, the most targeted, and it still might not return. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think it's so. Yeah. So the basically the bar's been raised. I think, and yeah. for those of us who are not spending all of you know, we're not full time working on Facebook ads or even part of our time. Most business owners currently spend zero percent of their time on Facebook ads. So mm. to expect them to to suddenly become really good at it very quickly is it's just not realistic. Yeah. So talk to someone who's at least spends 20% of their time thinking about it and working on it and constantly improving their skills and who knows what they're doing, you know, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So Ian, we've got our, uh, we've got our course. We are doing really well promoting it and all the rest. Where do you see going forward, you know, and you're thinking, oh, what should I be focused on next? Like when it comes to the future of the online digital learning process and all the rest, you know, have you any uh, vision for anything coming up like trends and all the, all that fun stuff, you know, going into 2022 or are you going, not going to go there? (laughs) I am. I'm a bit hesitant because you you always open yourself up to be proved wrong, don't you? But I'm going to go for short term trends. I think the long-term stuff, you know, we'll all be wearing virtual reality headsets and glued in to, to the learning machine like Spock out of out of uh, out of Star Trek. I'm going to leave those predictions. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to leave those predictions to, to other people. I'm okay. going to make some simple simpler ones. So, firstly, obviously, online courses grew really fast during the pandemic because we couldn't meet face to face. There's going to be a bit of a flip back to oh my god, it's great to meet face to face and to have live training and stuff. That, but all the evidence from surveys and, and the initial evidence of people doing it is that online courses are here to stay much more than they ever used to because people have been forced into them and they realize, oh, actually, this is quite good. Yeah. This is really convenient and I can do it when I want. And it's a lot less expensive for companies and all myself. So, the, 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 you know, the Pandora's box has been opened. The genie's out of the bottle. There's going to be a lot more online courses. That's just a given. Yeah. Um, but the... the the thing I think we're going to see more of in 2022 is more mobile. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people, and obviously people are a bit kind of stuck at their desks at the minute, but as people go back out into the real world, a lot more mobile, a lot more tablet-based content. You're just seeing that generally. Yeah. And I think seeing having content, of course, that can be taken and, and run on a little mobile screen. So it goes a little bit against what I said about just starting with slides and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they, they can be a little small on a mobile screen. So but just maybe just bear that in mind when you're making your slides mm-hmm. um, is that some people might be viewing them on mobile. So keep them simple and, and kind of big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more mobile consumption. Then I think the big change we're going to see is a change in the way that people learn. Mm-hmm. Because what I think has happened was online courses started off being a direct translation of classroom courses. Yeah. So, you know, the classroom course has got an agenda. You go through certain things in order and you've only got two days to get it all through because that's the only time you can get people to come together. So you've mm-hmm. got to get through it all at once. Now, one of the disadvantages of that is a lot of stuff you're learning, you really need to practice out in the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of you do exercises in the classroom, but it's not mm-hmm. like real world stuff. With online courses, you actually have the opportunity to do things in the real world. So the first online courses were just exactly the same. And then we realized, oh, hang on, we don't have to blast people through this course. Maybe they can do a little bit every week. Mm. And then maybe in between doing the online thing, instead of just saying, do an exercise where you pretend to be X, Y, and Z, say, no, go out and try this in your business and come back and report back what happened in, in the Facebook group or the, or, the, or the community. And we'll give you some feedback on what you did. So stretching the course and ha- making it more feedback-based 
has already happened. You know, we're already seeing that happen where combining just the pure online with people giving, and the feedback can be asynchronous. You know, you you can upload a video and someone can comment on it, stuff like that. It doesn't have to be live over Zoom or it could be live over Zoom. But Mm -hmm. we're seeing that where they've stretched courses um, in order to better fit them into people's lives and in order for people to actually really use the skills they're learning. The next step, I think, is people realizing that not all learning is the same. So if you're learning skills, like if you want to learn some management skills, um, Mm -hmm. then usually you need to learn a bit about it, go out and try it in the real world, get some feedback on it, stuff like that, that that we've seen. You need to apply those skills. There are some things you learn that you you use really intermittently. So, for example, I interviewed a guy called Rob Garrity, who who does um, presenting virtually. That's his course. Mm. And he's split that up into, I think, something like 62 really little bite-sized modules. So instead yeah. of expecting people to go through everything one by one, it's mm. more dip in when you need it. So yeah. if you're doing a presentation next week um, and you want to know how to do some really good slides, just dip into the slides section. You don't have to go through an hour's worth of training covering X, Y, and Z that you would have done on Monday morning. You just yeah. you know click on the how to make great slides and there's a few minutes of learning how to great, make great slides. You go, all right, that got it, got it. Now I'll do my slides. That's, and then actually, maybe a re- a- that's actually a really good approach because, you know, mm. um, time is like, go- it just it's like a sieve, I think, you know, like, oh, you, yeah. you know, yeah. you're just like going, where's it gone? Um, uh, to have little modules mm. that you can people dip in and dip out or move around. You don't have to start on module one and have yeah. module 62 yeah. to get to where you want to go. Yes. You can actually oh, well, uh, there's module 15. It's perfect this week. I'll do that. And then mm. you actually build up that bit of loyalty because uh, uh, especially if you update the course, mm. people will go, oh, I, I, I want to go back and, and add mm. that to it and add yeah. that to it. Because people don't have the patience anymore. I think people are no. very, they kind of, they want short, snappy, you know, if you can get someone to watch a video for maybe three to five minutes, you're doing well. Yeah. You know, so you know, obviously if they want to learn something, but I suppose once again, if you're short, snappy or bite-sized and if they want to, delve mm. in more there's another resource but yeah i would agree i think Plus, um, if if they're like my brain um i'm a goldfish it's like three seconds and go what did he say i have to yeah. rewind <laughs> you've forgotten so, my jokes though Emer. you know they're perpetually in your head oh <laughs> uh, yeah we won't go there so. yeah um in this has been a super chat it has been so enlightening about the whole world of courses and i think what i've taken away and i'm sure Emer, you agree mm. is the fact that you can make this as as complex or as simple as possible and either mm-hmm. or can give you great success. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't need all the bells and whistles. You know, you can start as simple as you said, PowerPoint, a simple bit of software, Camtasia or um, ScreenFlow, a bit of audio, and then reach out to your community. Um, if people want to learn more about you, Ian, where would you like them to go? Um. You can learn more about me generally at ianbrody.com. That's my kind of work on marketing with consultants, coaches, et cetera. If you want to learn more about me and and particular courses, online courses, then uh, a few weeks ago, I started a new venture called Course Builders Hub, which you mentioned at the start, which is is basically me interviewing people about their courses. Mm -hmm. So we've done about a dozen or so. So I mentioned a few of them, like Rob Gerty and presenting virtually. Uh, Michael Heppel about his his courses, Write That Book. We've got the guy who did, does all the LinkedIn content marketing. That's Dr. Tariq Sani, who has courses on cognitive behavioral therapy for IT professionals. Wow. Um, and so there's lots of different types of courses from leadership to very technical stuff. Mm. Um, and it's just people coming on and talking about how they build their course. 
the lessons they learned. So it's very real world. It's not so like kind of, and I wanted to do that because I've got my own ideas about how to build a course. And I've got obviously quite a bit of experience, yeah. but you know, nothing compared to dozens upon dozens of different people and their situation might just click more with the person watching. That's so, good. um, you know, come to costbuildershub.com. There's a ton of stuff on there. It's growing every week. We adding in the minute we're adding a couple of videos every week with interviews, our little expert stuff. Um, it's all free. So just come along. Um, it Brilliant. won't necessarily be forever all free or all of it, but it is right now. Um, and certainly we'll always be doing one or two new episodes for free every week as a kind of mm-hmm. free show that you can, you can tune into. Yeah. Well, I, I know what you're saying for $999 right now, you can subscribe <laughs> to the course builders mastermind. <laughs> oh, there's an idea. There, I was going to say there's an idea for you, Philip. Yes. You know, in, uh, <laughs> yeah. Digital <giggle> course. <laughs> Actually, I, I tell you, if I reach out and said, I'm doing, thinking of doing this course, I'd probably get minus zero <laughs> responses. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the, the reality is I've heard from so many people as I've done the interview, they've all been shocked mm. at how generous people are at helping them out in that really early stage of asking, do you mind if I have a couple of minutes to ask you about this? Or do you mm. mind if I do this? Or would you be interested in that? You know, yeah. often those early talks, early early bits of feedback have really changed the direction of their course. Michael Heppel, his, his course, he's written a bunch of books on self-development, like um, um, How to Be Brilliant and stuff like that. And he, in his Facebook group, he said, well, do you, want, do you want me to do a course on how to be brilliant or one on this topic or this topic? And then he just threw in at the other, at the end, say, well, maybe about how to write a book because he's written seven. Yeah. And 75% of people, 70, 75% of people came back and said, oh, I want to know how to write a book. How to write a book. You know, they didn't want any of the stuff he done. They wanted to know yeah. how to write a book. That's he was shocked weird, by that. Yeah. But, he, but that's what he based the course on. And the books people are writing are nothing like his either. They're like yeah. fiction or children's mm. or, or whatever. But you got to ask because it can really change. Um, you know, because as you just said earlier, you, you never quite know. You know, don't don't build something based on what you think people want, based yeah. on what they actually want. There you go. How to tell a joke. Thanks. Ah. <laughs> yeah. If you have any of that on the course builder, just send me the link. <laughs> uh, maybe not. Well, uh, all I can say is, Ian, thank you so much again for coming on. Um, Let's get social. It's been. Yeah, a- honestly, we hadn't actually covered this topic before. Yes. And so, uh, listen, it's, it's great. Uh, this has been great. Honestly, yeah. it has, because there's a lot of people out there probably thinking, you know, with the pandemic and changing yeah. careers and whatever else do I maybe I should start a course, you yeah. know, and all that kind of thing. So. so I think this has been the, the perfect chat for them. So, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. so if you enjoyed today's show, you can catch it again. And the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, on the Dublin South FM website. So do please download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And all the stuff to say is I've been Philip Twyford, the Curly Marketer. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media. And we'll see you again soon for more Let's Get Social. See you then. Bye.